You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Paddock of the Dallas Morning News, here today again with Grant Schiller, the OG shill, um, longtime friend of mine and very smart baseball writer. Um, <clears throat> actually, more, more baseball tweeter nowadays. Um, but yeah, we split this past episode, or it's bad for recording, into two different episodes because we talked for so, so long. Um, this is the episode chatting about um, the pitchers. Um, like I said, we got a few in mind um, that this is really a make or break year for them. So I'm going to skip all of my nonsense here and just get right into my talk, part two, with Grant Schiller. But uh, let's start to look at the pitchers. Um, I think, um, I think that that these are the guys that are like I'm the most interested in, and I have like the least idea about. Starting with Colby Allard, I have no idea what the hell to expect from Colby Allard in like any start anymore. I mean, he is still young. Um, he's 23 years old. Um, but like, I just I don't know what I'm getting from. Like some starts, he was like the most inconsistent pitcher on the Rangers, I think, because he had like. Three, three, maybe four, like pretty solid starts. He had the one that was like seven and a third innings, I believe, um, against her uh, in Houston towards the end of the season that looked really solid. Or maybe that was the middle of the season. I don't even know. It's so jumbled in my mind with this shortened season and this weird year where you don't go outside. Like my brain can't like make sense of things. But like he'd go and have like one really solid start and then just like absolutely like poop the bed the next two. What do you expect from him? Is this kind of what you thought he would be or did you think he'd be better yeah so it was a really weird year for him uh, and very inconsistent it didn't really change my opinion on him much um so at the end of the day it was 33 innings where really his struggles came from walking too many guys which hasn't been something he's done throughout his career and he actually threw more pitches in the zone than he had last year in 2019 so it seems to me like it's a small sample size aberration on the walks. I do think it's important when we talk about him to level set where expectations should be. Because mm-hmm. obviously we got him in a trade. He's been a prospect name for, for forever. Um, we hope he'll be in the rotation next year. But he's not a premium velo guy. He doesn't have a high spin rate. He doesn't have a low spin rate that generates a ton of ground balls for him. Um, he's okay at present, preventing hard contact a super strength of it for him. He doesn't really have a put-away secondary pitch. So what you're hoping is that because he has good pitchability, um, he's thrown strikes for his career outside of last year, um, that he can be a good number five. I mean, that's what you're hoping for from him. Um, so as far as his chances to become that, I don't think last year changed anything for me, really. Uh, he just needs to be more consistent in not walking guys. And again, he, he threw strikes like he had before. He just threw balls in bunches. He let his delivery get away from him. Um, so I don't know if the the second spring training and having the shutdown really affected him that way or what, but it's not something that really concerned me. Um, so I think it's kind of the same profile for next year. You you put him in the rotation and see if he can become a back-of-the-rotation guy for you. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think he's going to split that with that spot in the rotation with uh, Palumbo and, and, and Burke, which... 
for some reason last year, like I just could not like separate those two like in my mind. Like I would combine them into one amalgam of a person. Which you know, if you combine those two, I think they'd be a pretty good pitcher. Because either way, like they've had they've got some stuff. Um, but I don't. I without with the with the injury to Burke, like that that is like really concerning to me because I was much higher on Burke than I was on Palumbo. But I want to get your thoughts on what Palumbo could do next year because he he didn't do. I mean anything this year i mean right. two games and two and a third innings is is not any sample size to go off of but he did have five strikeouts in those what seven outs so like something right no i mean he's got he's got the nasty fastball it's gonna miss a ton of bats he's got a good curveball to play off of that um so first and firm, foremost it's about getting his strength back from ulcerative colitis i mean you remember how much weight deekman lost and he was able to come back fully and then gibson doesn't seem like he really has um, yeah. So that's not a given. Uh, I don't know what his treatment plan is, but it's possible that he will be at higher risk for COVID. So you'll have to, depending on what treatment plan they give him, um, so you'll have to watch that and really protect him next year if that hasn't come back. And he might have some uh, trepidations about coming back. Um, but then beyond just getting his strength back and keeping him healthy on that front, it's is his changeup going to come along? I mean, he's got the fastball and curveball where even if he doesn't have great command he's going to get away with a lot of mistakes. And the big ballpark's going to help him because he's going to get fly balls and he's going to have hard hit balls turn into an outs. Um, so that's kind of the flip side of the uh, Solak-Calhoun problems is that it helps <laughs> Joe Palumbo. Um, so I know he changed his change of grip last year, but then we ne- and he liked it. He liked his change up a lot more, but then we never really got to see it through two and a third innings. Yeah. So did he develop a better feel for it? Does the new grip really help? That's going to be the difference between is he a dominant left-handed reliever or can he be a real starter for you? And next year is going to tell us a lot on that front. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's a guy that I'm really excited about. He is, oh my god, 26. Just every, I just might as well just say like everybody's on here 26. Everybody's 26. Like yeah. everybody's 26 unless you're Colby Allard, then you're 23. Um, because Brock Burke is okay. Brock Burke's 24. All right, cool. There we go. Somebody else who's not uh, 26. But yeah, I, I have a lot of hope for him. I hope he gets well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really – I mean, there's no way to predict, like, what next season is going to look like now. I mean, there's no way to predict, like, what's going on. Like, a month from now, like, obviously vaccines are in late stages. Things are mm-hmm. progressing well and, and look nice on that front. But, like, we have no idea what the world's going to look like in March. So, like, projecting that feels kind of foolish. So, like, I don't know. Even, like, what, it's going to be February, mid-February that uh, training camp starts? I believe it's, like – the 14th or yeah, 16th or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but who knows? That's obviously going to be like open to being pushed back. And who knows? We're going to try and get fans at like training camps. I feel like they should definitely avoid that. Cause like, you're not going to make that much money on like fans going to spring training. Right. Like it's just going to be more of a problem than, than anything else. But Brock Burke is a guy who I have loved for a long time. Really interesting kid. Um, but I'm always hesitant to trade with the Rays. Like, they almost never end up on the wrong side of a deal. Like, mm-hmm. even even the, like, very obvious, like, win-win that looked it looked like it was of Solak for Pete Fairbanks. Like, even that was like, like well, we just had, like, too many guys. Like, okay, what's wrong with them? Like, what, what are you hiding <laughs> from us? Like, there's always, they're always willing to, like, pull one over on somebody and, like, Oh, you don't think this guy is that good? Like we should, we'll take him off your hands. Like this Pete Fairbanks guy. No, no, no. This this is an aberration. You know, nobody jumps up from single A to the major leagues and and still does well for a long time. So like, well, you can just like sell high on this guy. Idiotic. 
But Brock Burke is a guy, which I don't really know how he got involved in that trade. Like, it, it's still, that Profar trade is just such a weird trade to me. They're like, all right, the, the A's end up with, with Profar, and the Rangers somehow end up with Brock Burke. But he was a third-round pick out of the Rays, which means the Rays really liked him. Anybody who the Rays really like, you should probably really like, too, because they're probably much smarter than you, just in general. But especially he's pitched, pitchers. Especially pitchers. But he's a guy who I'm really interested to see. I mean, he had the uh, – what surgery was it? It was his uh, – Labrum. Labrum, which any shoulder injury is is scary as heck um, for pitchers. Because those – like, you can recover from Tommy John surgery, but, like, he, the shoulder stuff is going to live with you for a long time. So I'm curious to think – uh, what you think on his future and is he going to come back next year? Like, is, is he going to pitch like at all? Like what the heck do you think might be his future next year? Yeah. So I can speak firsthand on this one. Last November I had, I had had surgery for my torn labrum. Um, and they have made big progress on that surgery and be able to come back and throw I, the way my doctor put it is they have a new kind of surgery for it. The way my doctor put it at the time is um, back in the day, you'd have surgery, and if you could come back and throw one more season, that's a big success. And now they have surgery with you plan- and plan for you to come back and have a full career. Now, obviously, it isn't the same success rate as Tommy John, but it's been a lot better. Um, so timeline-wise, obviously, I'm not a professional athlete throwing 94 miles an hour. Yeah, you um, throw like 98. Right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> uh, JD, if you're listening to this, I am available. Um <laughs> But timeline-wise, I was able to start throwing lightly again, I want to say in May, which is only seven months after surgery, which would put Burke throwing, just lightly tossing, in, I guess, September. Now, I haven't seen any videos or reports of him doing that, so I don't know if he's on the same timeline or not. And then I think the original timeline was for me to be able to push off a mound in December, which would be 13 months after surgery. Um, obviously, I'm not really close to that. I've had... Uh, <laughs> a couple of shutdowns for other reasons. Um, <laughs> but that would put him on track to be off on the mound next March. Uh, it would be a slow rehab process from there. So you'd think that he'd probably be in AAA um, first starting to pitch in games, probably June or July, and maybe be able to come back up for a September call-up. Um, so that's the thing that sucks about a torn labrum is even with the huge advances they have in the surgery, it's really two lost seasons or at least a season and a half. Uh, so it's just going to be about, really this year's going to be about him coming back and showing the same stuff and feel for pitching uh, when he comes back in AAA and hopefully having a good cameo in September. If he loses that insane spin rate, I might weep. I Actually, I probably will. But, like, like sitting up there, I remember, were you there for one of, for, like, any of his starts where they had, like, the track man data and stuff up there um, in the uh, the press box for, for Frisco? Yeah, I think that was Palumbo that had the crazy ones, though. I think oh, Burke was is. It? Yeah, I think Burke is is fairly oh, average no, no, on you're that. You're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Because he was like a uh, like minor who had the just redonkulous right. spin rate. Oh yeah, it's which, absurd. Which like, can you explain how spin rate works for because you're smarter than I am and understand it better? <laughs> um, not perfectly. I have. I have. I mean, it's all about how the ball comes off your fingers. So I think if you're, like, more explosive as you, like, rip the ball down, it's going to create that higher spin rate. Um, I know it's also – I mean, I know it's not something that you can really work to improve unless you obviously like up velo or use foreign substances, um, mm-hmm. as you can read about with just about anything Trevor Bauer um, these days. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, on domestic substances. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but I think I think it has something to do. I mean, that would say to me that it's got to have something naturally to do with how you release a ball, how your fingers are shaped. Um, but I don't necessarily have the most scientific understanding of the matter. Oh, I meant about like what it does to hitters. Like, oh, what it does they, to hitters. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a much better feel for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, basically that means that the ball defies gravity more. Uh, so if you if you see a ball reset at this point, um, your swing is built. The modern day swing is built to, with an uppercut to match the downward trajectory of the baseball. And mm -hmm. as you have a higher spin rate, it's going to stop your downward trajectory from being as much. So it's going to jump above those hitters' bats because it's not going to fall as much as they expect. Um, and so that's why you see all the crazy spin rate guys like Josh Hader, um, Mike Miner, Joe Palumbo. They can live with the fastball at the top of the zone, and hitters have a tough time catching it because it feels like it explodes on them because it's staying higher than what they um, are looking for. Huh. Well, that makes sense because I always thought like they call it like a rising fastball, even though I'm like mathematically it can't rise. Right. Like that's right. that's not it's not it's not softball. Like there aren't actual rise balls. Like when I was watching softball and seeing pitches like actually rise, I'm like, that's that's uh, not no, how yeah. that's not how balls go. That's not how this works. But um, all right, that makes that makes a lot more sense. And so you want you want higher spin rates, obviously on the fastball, or if you're a sinker, you want lower spin rates because then right. it drops more. And that's but how you get uh, ground balls. But what about uh, breaking pitches? You want, I mean, obviously it depends. Like, change if you want like no spin, or right. So it it, de it depends on the pitch, um, and they're going to do different things. Like curveballs, you can succeed across the spin rates because it's going to depend a lot on the shape of the pitch and where it breaks on the plate. Um, a higher spin rate is going to give you more movement, um, mm -hmm. more twelve six movement, but that's not necessarily going to make it a good curveball. It just kind of depends on how it's utilized and what shape you give it. Um, sliders, from my understanding, and this isn't necessarily, again, the most scientific or well-rounded one, it's more about spin efficiency than spin rate, um, because that's really going to determine the plane that you can keep it on. So if you want a, a true Frisbee slider, I believe, don't quote me on this exactly, but I believe you want a low spin efficiency so that you keep it um, basically saucering like a Frisbee. Mm -hmm. um, and you want a higher one if you want the, the more two-plane slider. Okay. Uh, so it really just depends pitch by pitch and what you what you want to do with it. Um, mm -hmm. But fastball is the one where high spin rate means good, basically. It's that simple. <laughs> well, that makes sense. All right. Well, I mean, or you can manipulate it like uh, former – or excuse me, if I'm living in a fantasy land, current Rangers great um, Chichi Gonzalez does. Mm -hmm. Gosh. I'm just so happy that he got to be back in the big leagues and, like, figuring stuff out again because that was – Man, of of the two, like, if there are two Rangers prospects that have like not panned out at all, that made the least sense to me, it's it's Chichi Gonzalez and uh, Nomar Mazzara because those yeah. are guys are like even at their worst, they're gonna be like a serviceable big league starter. Like at their mm -hmm. best, maybe they'll be an all star. Like who knows? But like they should be fine. And then they just weren't. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the Rangers might end up winning the Nomar Mazzara trade because Steel Walker might actually be good. Um, our locked on prospects guy, uh, Aaron Layton, we talked about that and he really, really likes Steel Walker. So that made me like him because he's much smarter about prospects than, than I am. Well, I used to be very smart, but I'm very smart about 2016 prospects. Anything nowadays, I'm like, I don't know, the Rangers system's like, okay, but I'm not holding out any hope because nothing good has happened to us. So like, why should I think that anything good's going to happen in the future? You know? Yeah. Honestly, even this this number two overall pick, I'm like, just just don't screw it up. Like that's kind of where I am with a number two overall pick, which don't Dylan Tate it. 
don't Dylan Tate it. Like that. That's it. Get a guy who plays in the big leagues. Like that's all I want. And I mean, it, it's looking like there's some some traction on some of the, the more recent draft picks. Uh, I've talked to a couple people in the industry who have some pretty good evaluations on Josh Young, which makes me very excited because I have always thought that uh, he's going to be a very solid, like just a, a higher, he had a higher ceiling than they initially thought, um, which is exciting because, I mean, obviously he's going to be a good bat to ball guy, like he's going to be fine. Um, but they were liking the defense more and they thought he'd had more power than initially suggested, which I'm like, be still my beating heart. If we can have a Texas Tech player playing every day for one of my favorite sports teams like that, that's it. I mean, don't even get me started on Terrence Steele on the Cowboys because that, that doesn't count. He's, he's he, has to, he has to actually be good for me to be enjoying it. Well, I heard Pat Mahomes can pitch. No. He no, no. He okay. actually can't. Um, fun story. I was actually there for Patrick Mahomes' one collegiate appearance. He oh, came yeah? In, yeah, he came in, he faced three batters, he walked two, and he hit one. Well, that kind but, of ruins my hopes for a Pat Mahomes, Jameis Winston, Shea Patterson, Rangers bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we can get Kyler Murray in center field. And Johnny Manziel still at shortstop. Oh, God. Oh, God. Is that still a thing? <laughs> Didn't he get drafted by somebody? By the Padres. That's right. Oh, yeah. goodness gracious. Preller, what are you doing? In like what the 20-something round, too. Not even the end. No. I don't get it. I mean, maybe. I don't know. He seems like he's got his head on straight. Um, but yeah, maybe if he started yeah. doing professional sports again, maybe that would, would send him over the edge. Or, you know, I'm, I'm partially blaming Cleveland just because the city of Cleveland does things to people. So, you know, that's fair. It, it could happen to anybody, but yeah. I, are there any other guys that are just like, we, we talked a little bit about like maybe IKF and like Jose Trevino. Like those are the only two other guys that I'm right. like, it's not really, they're not really in the same category. I mean, cause like Willie Calhoun wasn't really in a make or break, but it's like, he's, he's going to be there. He's pretty much guaranteed the left field or DH position, whichever, whoever does better defense between him and, and Solak. But I mean, those are just guys who I really want to see like another step forward because I mean, we can't even say that Trevino is young anymore. He's going to be, I think, 28 next year. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, he was a late prospect, late, late debut. Yeah, I mean, because he was a third baseman in, what, in college? And then just they're like, hey, what if you, you caught? And they're like, uh, okay. And it worked out. But, I mean, he's probably going to be the Rangers' starting catcher next year, which kind of terrifies me. But if, as long as it's not Jeff Mathis, I, I think I can get by. But – what kind of improvements are you wanting to see from him next year? Yeah. Um, so from both of these two, I think it's more about do they establish themselves as starters rather than big leaguers? Cause I think they're going to be big leaguers regardless for a little while. Um, hmm. But Trevino specifically, I want to see him take more walks first and foremost, because he had a lot of more doubles this year, which was unexpected, but he's not going to be a power guy. He's no. not going to be a high average guy. So to have last year was better at the plate, but it was still a 280 OBP. Like, that's mm. never going to carry a starting catcher profile. That's no. kind of been how he's been throughout his entire minor league career, too. So I think that's just kind of who he is, um, which is probably why I was, I've was i always been lower on him than I think the industry has been. Um, but the thing that I really want to see from him, given that I'm expecting that offensively for him to be Jeff Mathis-ish offensively. Whoa, um, whoa. that That is just hard. It, it hurts. I know. It hurts. But that's kind of what it is. And that's fine 
if he provides prime Jeff Mathis defense, which has been the expectation. He was really good defensively in the minors. He won the two Baseball America minor league gold gloves back to back years. Mm-hmm. But he's really what he's done. What I've seen visibly and what the numbers have shown is that he's really good framing on the sides of the plate. What he has been average at is pulling pitches up and pulling pitches down below and above the zone. And I would almost say that Sam Huff is better at the bottom of the zone than Jose Trevino right now. And Huff is a raw catcher. Um, Part of that is catching style because Huff is more on the new aged um, one-piece catching where you catch the ball as you're coming up Mm. uh, rather than Trevino who tries to stick it. You have to be very good at sticking it to be a top defensive catcher at the bottom of the zone. So I would like to see him either try and get on the new age catching where you see all the catchers really do well at the bottom of the zone, where Huff is doing. And he's not great at it yet, but he's the, the method helps him, right? Um, like Tucker Barnhart is amazing down there because he does this, and he does it so well. JT Realmuto, you'll see him do it. Um, mm. There's a handful of other catchers. Future but Ranger, JT Realmuto. Yes, yeah, I can see the ownership totally investing a ton of money this offseason <laughs> in a 30-something catcher. Yes, I'm on board. Um, but to be at the bottom, to be good sticking at the bottom of the zone, you have to be a top, top-notch catcher like Maldonado, like Austin Hedges, mm-hmm. and Trevino isn't that yet. So, I mean, as you said, he's like 28 next year. His profile is basically all around his defense. Um, it's really about his club more than his arm, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to see him get better at catching at the bottom of the zone and be as good down there as he is catching on the sides of the zone. So I think it's going to be very important to his profile and whether he can stick as anything more than a pure backup or third catcher. Yeah. And I think IKF, I mean, it all comes down to power. Like he just needs mm-hmm. to hit more dingers. Like he only hit three this year. And I think he had what, four or five that were in like between like regular spring training and like summer camp training. So like whatever he did to bulk up, just like keep doing it. Like it takes time. I mean, he is 25. He'll be 26 next year. So, like, he's got time, and he obviously has the absolutely elite, elite defense. But with right. the, the thing with, with me is, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, you hit, like, 10 bombs a year, but there just weren't that many doubles either. You only had four doubles. Greeny had three triples, but, like, you need to have more doubles. Like, just hit it in the gaps somewhere. Like, it can't just be – because he doesn't walk all that much. Like, he walks fine, um, but, like, it's not elite. For 228 plate appearances, uh, where is it? 14 walks is is not great grand like the strikeouts are like way 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 down like 32 is is solid like he, he makes good contact but like you need to walk like a little bit more and get a few more doubles to like even with the amazing glove and arm like it just just need more to be a starter so i've got a question for you okay what do you think his ground ball rate was last year Give me a give me a point of reference because I what's like an average um, ground ball rate? Average, probably. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but probably somewhere like forty to forty-five. Okay. What was it? Sixty. Sixty-two. Oh the, my god! The highest, the highest among qualified hitters by three percent. Good lord. Um. So yeah, I mean, he's got. He's got a. He was better offensively, and the adjustments helped. But he's got to cut that down a little bit. Yeah, he like really he, kind of fell off at the back half of the season because, like, there was one point he was hitting like three twenty or something. He finished at two eighty. Yeah, I mean, he, it was it was Ian Desmond. I mean, that was as high as Ian Desmond Desmond has ever been. And I mean, his career has been derailed by not being able to hit, get the ball off the ground. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now he doesn't have the disgusting defense kind of Falefa does. Um, <laughs> but the other but question I, I have for doesn't you, have the the like just general strength and right. No, yeah, that Desmond has. Right. The other question I have for you is: I've seen people talking about as they've talked about the struggles of Elvis um, about moving IKF over there. What do you think? of moving him to shortstop versus keeping him at third? Because I, I actually have a fairly strong opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on if they get Hassan Kim, which I need to see like what he does defensively huh. before I make a decision on that. I think I don't think Elvis is a starter next year, um, whether it's Kim or whether it's IKF. Um, I think moving him to shortstop, I, I think I like it. I think that's a good deal because uh, – I just I want my third baseman like even if he's like the best th- defensive third baseman ever like I want him to have some thump like I can mm-hmm. I can live with more defensive mistakes at third base than I can at shortstop um, and he is probably going to feel more balls at shortstop um, so he's going his good defense is going to have a better a bigger impact is that what you're thinking No I I understand where you're coming from uh, because traditionally third base is more of a hitting position and it. Should be if you're going to be a really good third baseman, right? Just and that shortstop is going to get you more action. Just get another Adrian Beltre. Yeah, it's it's easy. It's easy. <laughs> get a 19 year old one this time. It's easy. Um, my thoughts on it though. So if you move him to shortstop, realistically, so right now he's what a seven or eight defensively at third base, right? Mm-hmm. You move him to shortstop. Realistically, he's what a 55 above average shortstop. So if if you move him to short and you have an above average defensive shortstop. He's not going to be, um, I thought he'd be he's not going to be, you think I, th- I th- honestly think he is. Okay. So that, that, if he's plus that, that, that and that's why I whole, say that. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's kind of the disagreement there is if he's plus that debunks my whole argument. If he's five, five if he's above average, simply above average, like I th- think he probably would be, I don't know what the profile is. If you if you're just above average defensively at short, and then your OPS plus is 80, 70, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's a starting player. Um, so unless you're confident that he's going to be a plus shortstop like you think, I would keep him at third and have the double plus to absolutely elite defense over there, and mm-hmm. really really let that be the building block for his entire profile. Okay. But the thing is, like Josh Young is going to come in. Right. Oh I, yeah. I don't, I don't think Young Josh Young. I've I have seen I've seen Josh Young play shortstop. He did it for a full season as a senior. He was a competent shortstop defensively college. in co- for right. college, but that is not the same level. Yeah. Um, no, when when Young or Apostle come up and bump him over, and that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Um, but in, but until then, and I, I don't know Kim that it provides much value. Kim might. It, it it depends on where where Solak's going to fit. Like, is Solak going to be a second baseman? I don't think so. Honestly, I don't. I think he's left fielder or DH. Like, that's same with with Calhoun. It's it's just going to like switch between those two. Um, and you need somebody at second base that is probably not Derek. Dietrich. Yeah, because I yeah. I can't watch his defense. Like, it just I can't. I can't. He's still technically around, isn't he? Um, I think so. I think there might have been an option on his contract. Um, let me look that up real quick. I mean, he's only 30. Look, like, he's not I want to say he'd still be ARB eligible, so it's a matter of whether they'll not tender um, him or not, but I might be totally off base. I, I don't think so. I think he's been around long enough. Um, okay. Let's see. It has no salary in, info here on uh, baseball reference. It has nothing for 2020. 
Um, it doesn't say anything about arbitration eligible. Um, I mean, he only it says he made a hundred k in 2019, which d- doesn't feel right. No, uh, his service his service time is six years, so he would be a free agent. He would not be arb eligible. Okay, unless so. I don't know. I mean, he was like probably the best offensive player the Rangers had last year. Um, but still, the defense That's was horrendous. Was absolutely horrendous. Like even worse than Ruggie's. Yeah. Like Ruggie would only have like one or two like errors that make you like lose your mind. But Dietrich, it felt like every other game I saw him playing defense was like, what, what are you doing? And also like, oh yeah, like he's not very good at second base. Let's put him at first base where he has more opportunities to screw things up and did. It's just like, no. So, I don't know. I, I think the IKF question is really interesting. If he starts to hit with some more power and walks, that makes things really interesting. Um, but in, definitely if they get Kim, then I think, honestly, I think Josh Young might be really ready to go at some point next year, mm-hmm. like in the second half of the year. I mean, honestly, if the team is, is garbage crap again, why not call him up anyway, assuming that there's, I don't know, some minor league season's going to be weird no matter what next year, even if yeah. it is, like, existing. So, I don't know. But we have gone way longer than I thought we initially would, but that has been great. Um, so this will end up – you'll be hearing this as the second part of the episode just to give some inside-the-mind thing. We didn't just continue our conversation a day later. So, um, but thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Grant, you want to you wanna hop on, do this again sometime? You know, maybe next yeah. week? Yeah, whenever. Yeah, it's been great having you on. Um, a little more baseball-minded like than me. I'm just more talky-oriented. And I used to be baseball smarter, but then I, I spread myself too thin. So my baseball brain's still there, but but Grant is, is all in on the baseball mind in this baseball genius. And 2005 Rangers fan of the year. People forget that. Royalty. royalty. Absolute royalty. But thank you guys so much for listening, and don't forget to enjoy baseball.